People have lots of different ideas what Jesus is like. Usually this time of year, at least when I was growing up, you don't see magazines so much anymore, but Time or Newsweek would often have this cover article that said, who is Jesus? But the better question to ask is, who did Jesus say he was? Who did Jesus say he was? And so we've been doing a study in the Gospel of John and following along with what John is saying. And here we have one of those passages where Jesus talks about who he was. And it's been preceded by this series of disputes where people are arguing and wondering who Jesus was. In chapter 7, 8, 9, there's this thing where Jesus stands up and he proclaims to be the light of the world. And he heals a blind man and he goes back and forth with the religious leaders. And they're wondering who he is and what sort of authority he has. They're disputing who Jesus is. And so Jesus begins in chapter 10 now, which we're going to look at today with this extended picture, an extended metaphor, a parable, if you will, a kind of a story of who he is and who he says he is. And as we read through this, I want us to think about two contexts for what he's talking about, because he refers to himself as a shepherd. Got any shepherds out here? Anybody live next door to a shepherd? Parents were shepherds? No, but, but back in Jesus' day, there were shepherds around. Most likely, someone knew people who were shepherds, and there's a good chance that as they walked out of their town or their village or their city, they would see shepherds. They were familiar with them. They would interact with them on a day-to-day -day basis. So when Jesus talked about being a shepherd, the people gathered around him had a picture, an idea of what shepherds did of the dangers of their job, of being out at night and spending most of their days out in the field, of caring for the sheep, of making sure they had places to eat, because when they were out, oftentimes it was desert area. There wasn't, they had to help the sheep find places to eat. They helped, had to have, help the sheep find water to drink. They had to protect the sheep. They would take them out and they would bring them back into a pen at night and close the gate and make sure. And sometimes the shepherd themselves would lay down to act as the gate there. So that's one context, this one picture as Jesus is talking about himself as the shepherd. But there's another context, another setting for that, and that's what the Bible says about shepherds. Because if we were to read through what we call our Old Testament, this picture of a shepherd shows up several times. It shows up and often a picture of God as a shepherd. One of the most famous passages in the Bible is what we know as Psalm 23, which begins what? The Lord is my shepherd. It goes on, I shall not want. He makes me lie down by green pastures. And it's this picture of how God acts as a shepherd. But the shepherd imagery is also used for the leaders of Israel. And oftentimes the prophets, these people who came to talk about how God's people were following or not following him, would describe the leaders as shepherds and oftentimes as not being good shepherds. And one of those key passages, and we'll come back to it later, is in the book of Ezekiel. The prophet Ezekiel in the 34th chapter talks about this. And it's important to think about Ezekiel 34 because Jesus is now in Jerusalem again, and it's a festival, the festival of Hanukkah, this reminder of when the people had retaken 150-some years before there had been these series of rebellions. And one of the key passages that was read during the festival of Hanukkah, anyone want to take a guess? Ezekiel 34. And so here's Jesus, and Jesus comes in, and he talks about being a shepherd. Doing that. 
And one of the key things in those opening verses is this idea of a voice. And that the sheep will follow because they hear his voice. I didn't bring it in, but I saw this fascinating video the other day demonstrating this. And the picture is that sheep, we often think of sheep as not the brightest things in the world. And the truth is, they're not. Side note, sometimes we want to read into this like, well, Jesus is a shepherd, so I'm the sheep, and that means we're stupid and we're dumb. The Bible never says that, okay? The Bible's emphasis is not saying, you are sheep, but Jesus as a shepherd, When we have a metaphor, when we have a picture in the Bible, we have to take the metaphor for what it says, not what it doesn't say. But sheep, shepherds in the in the in Palestine in that area would often they they would use flutes or their voice, and the sheep would actually recognize the shepherd's voice. There's a story I read about during one of the occupations that this army captain had captured or taken all these sheep from the local villagers, and this woman comes to this army captain and says, well, I need my sheep back, and there's this pen filled with hundreds of sheep, and he says, well, how many do you have? And he says, 25. And she says, well, the army captain says to this woman, he says, well, if you can prove to me which one are your 25 sheep, then you can have them back. And she says, okay. And her son comes up, and he pulls out his little flute, and he plays a tune, And all of a sudden, around this big herd of sheep, 25 little heads pop up. And they all come, and they follow. And there's a YouTube video I'd watched also recently with this same sort of thing where they were wanting to demonstrate this, and they had this field of sheep, and they have a bunch of people come up, and they they all try and call the sheep, and the sheep just sit there, chewing the grass. And then the shepherd comes up, and he calls out, and all of a sudden, you see all the sheep's head popping up, saying the exact same words that these other people have said, but he says it, and then the sheep kind of look up, and it's funny because it's just somebody filming on the radio, and all of a sudden you hear all the people back on go, whoa, wow, that's amazing, and like all of a sudden the sheep, they all start running towards him, (laughs) and so when Jesus is talking, and he says, when he brought them, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him, and they know his voice, Jesus is picturing this, and all those people listening would have that picture in their mind, that that's how one of the ways a shepherd does and when there's multiple shepherds and all these different sheep all together, how do they sort them out? Because to be honest, all sheep look alike to me and to most of us. But the shepherds would know and they would call out and the sheep knew the voice of the shepherd and they would all come and they would follow. But they won't follow a stranger. And in verse 6, it says that the Pharisees died. I don't, what's he talking about? But Jesus continues in the story and he starts giving some different pictures and at one point, he's describing himself as the shepherd, at one point as the gate, at one point as the gatekeeper. But there's all these pictures that are coming together as Jesus is saying, this is who I am. And the verse I want us to really think about today is verse 10, John, John chapter 10, verse 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so this picture of life is a key theme, a key theme not only here, but throughout the gospel of John. The gospel of John begins, John chapter one, verse four, says, in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind. 
or the well-known verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal what? Life. And then at the end of the Gospel of John, John tells us why he wrote it. He says, but these are written, in other words, all these stories, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that may, by believing you may have what? Life in His name. This word life appears in John's Gospel nearly 50 times. One of my seminary professors, I've probably mentioned this before, he said, when you're reading something, pay attention to what has prominence. In other words, what shows up a bunch? So if John uses the word life 50 times, probably means it's important. Probably means there's some significance to it, so we might want to pay attention to it. And oftentimes in John, he couples it with eternal life. But eternal life, when people heard that back then, they didn't just simply think of life everlasting. To them, eternal life was life in the age to come. You see, the Jewish people had this idea that the world was the way it is now, but at some point, God will come back and make things right. Because we know the story, the story of the Bible started out with God creates a world and it's good, and then people fall into sin, and there's this ongoing story, but always in the back of people's minds is a picture of hope. Hope that one day God will come, the day of the Lord will come, and God will make all things white, will restore all things. And people thought of that as the age to come, in which there will be eternal life. So eternal life wasn't simply living forever. It was this picture of life in the age to come. And John is talking about it as something that life is available now through Jesus, and we can participate in it. And it's this quality of life. We think eternal life, well, it just means I'm immortal. I'm living forever. That's not what John is talking about. John's talking about that in part, but he's talking about something much more than that. He's saying that eternal life, that life that Jesus brings and is available now through Jesus is something much deeper than that. There's a quote from Marianne Thompson, a commentator, I want to read. And she says this, it, referring to abundant life, looks back towards creation. It anticipates the blessing of the new life of the resurrection, especially the blessing of being in the divine presence. She goes on, and it lies at the intersection of past and future, while in the present, it offers communion with the living God. So when John refers to life, when he, and when Jesus refers to life, I have come that they may have life, he's saying it's looking back to creation, to what life was like. And it's looking forward to the life to come when God will make all things new. And it's available right now in the present. It's not just simply Jesus isn't saying something, well, I've come that you might have life sometime in the future. He's saying it's here and it's now. So I want us to keep that picture in mind of abundant life of life and what that all means. And Jesus continues in verse 11, where he says, I am the good shepherd. And he uses that phrase again down in verse 14. And what he's doing is kind of loading up, queuing up, bringing to image this picture from Ezekiel 34. But I want us to think a couple things he says about the good shepherd as we go down through here. He talks about the good shepherd, and as you were listening, as Teresa read, one of the things, again... If you were listening, did you notice some things that 
Jesus repeated a few times? One of them was, I lay down my life. I think it shows up five, six times. And then I'm going to take it up again. So what's Jesus talking about? He's talking about his death and his resurrection. He's saying that this is how he brings that life. He doesn't bring it on a motorcycle. How does he bring new life? He brings it by laying down his life and then by taking it up again. It isn't taken from him. And he makes that absolutely clear. He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. And then I take it up again. This isn't Jesus caught up in political events. This isn't Jesus simply caught up in history. This isn't Jesus overtaken or overwhelmed by Roman authorities or the Jewish leaders or whatever else is going on. Jesus comes and of his free will, of his own accord, listening to the words of his father, he lays down his life on a cross. And then it isn't like God says, oh man, Jesus died. What am I going to do now? Oh, I got an idea. Let's raise him up from the dead. It's all part of the plan. It's part of that new creation. It's part of that new life. And so Jesus says, this is what the good shepherd does. The good shepherd lays down his life and then he brings it up again. And that's the way we have life. Second thing we think about it is, if Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. If I were to say to you, I've come to bring you something, what might be the implication is, you don't have it right now, do you? And so when Jesus says, I have come that you might have life, the implication is they don't have it right now. They need it. And so he's coming to bring them life. And that abundant life is greatly pictured in Ezekiel 34. So if you have a Bible and want to turn there, or I'm going to read parts of it. So Ezekiel 34, it starts off with a diatribe, a rant against the other sheep, who are the other shepherds who are these religious leaders during Ezekiel's time who are failing to do what they are supposed to do. And it talks about all the bad things they do. But if we go to Ezekiel 34, verse 11, it says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. In other words, what's God saying? I will be the shepherd. He says, as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations and gather them from the countries. And I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them in the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. And then if you skip down to verse 25, I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them in the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees will yield their fruits and the ground will yield its crop. The people will be secure in the land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslave them. 
They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will the wild animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or beat or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the Israelites, are my people, declares the sovereign Lord. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your Lord, declares the sovereign Lord. That's life that God is talking about. There's a whole bunch of stuff. They're rescued and found. There's good pastures, injuries treated. They're strengthened. They're tasting justice. They're secured at peace. They have plentiful crops and they're no longer hungry. They're liberated from slavery. They're no longer afraid. They're experiencing deliverance from insults. They're in an intimate covenant relationship with God. So when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, it's not simply like, oh, in the future I'm going to go and I'm going to live forever. It's all these things right here and right now. And he's saying, this is the kind of life that God is providing. This is the promise of God, the sovereign Lord. And by sovereign, means the one who is in control, just as Jesus was in control when he did what? He chooses to lay down his life and he chooses to take it up again. And so when Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life in abundance or life to the full, if you're wondering what one picture that might look like, go back and read Ezekiel 34 and say, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is what he brings, this life and life to the full. And he's saying, I am the good shepherd and I'm coming to bring this life. And so now we come to that other part of the story because he talks a whole lot about the voices and what those look like, right? And he says, the sheep know me and they listen to my voice. But he also talks about that other voice. So I want us to think just for a minute about this picture of voices. And this idea that, I want you to think that the world, I'll say it a different way. We will be shepherded in some way or another. The question is, who will shepherd us? There are voices all around us that are seeking to guide and to lead us. There are voices that are claiming that they provide life. And the question is, which voice will we listen to? People are constantly trying to get us to listen to them. And there's all these ways that we're being shaped and molded by the culture and the society around us. And as we hear those voices, we have to ask ourselves, which voice are we listening to? Is it the voice of our childhood, of our, of our past, that says, you are loved and I'm proud of you as long as you're doing good things? Is it the voice that says, I put a bumper sticker on my car that says I'm proud of my honor student, but you're not the honor student. And so you're wondering, well, are my mom and dad proud of me too? Is it the voice from your past of people saying, you're worthless, you're ugly, people don't like you, no one wants to be around you. Or is it the voice of the good shepherd that says, I lay down my life for you? 
And not I love you because you are valuable, but you are valuable because you are loved. Is it a voice of culture that tells you, here's the road to life and success. It's by stepping on top of other people. It's by treading the good road and that's what the good life is all about. Or is it the voice of the good shepherd that says, be a servant and give your life for those or others? Is it the voice of religion that says, there's this wonderful place waiting for you there. Don't pay attention to this earth. It's all going to burn up anyhow. Or is it the voice of the shepherd that says, I've come that you might have life and life to the full and you have it right now. Or is it the voice of your religious tradition which talks a whole lot about doing good things here on earth and working for justice and peace and all the things that God wants but really pays no attention to the future. Or is it the voice of the good shepherd that says, I've come that you may have life and life eternal which means not only life in this age but in the age to come. Is it the voice that speaks to us and says, God will bless you if, and then says, well, maybe if you read your Bible a little bit more, maybe if you go to Sunday school a little bit more, maybe if you give a little more to the church, maybe if you care for the poor, maybe if you spend a little more time with the orphans and widows, maybe if you go to the jail a little bit more, then maybe God will bless you. Or is it the good shepherd who says, God longs to bless you, and the shepherd has come that you may have life and life to the full and life in abundance, and he lays down his life for us. So my question for us is, do you hear the voice of the shepherd? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd, the one who lays down his life that we might have life? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd who comes to rescue and to find us? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd who comes to give us good pasture? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd who comes to give us life where our injuries are treated, where we're strengthened, where we taste justice? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd who says you're secure and at peace? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd that says, I have come that you might be liberated from slavery and bondage to whatever it is that's holding you down? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd which says, I've come that you no longer need to be afraid? The voice of the shepherd which says, I'm delivering you from the insults because I am speaking to you and saying, you are my beloved. Do you hear the voice of the shepherd which says, I'm inviting you into an intimate covenant relationship with the God who is the creator of the universe? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and I have come that you might have life and life to the full. The voice of the good shepherd is calling voice of the good shepherd speaks to each one of us and says, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Do you hear the voice of the shepherd?